Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name's Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. Will Kendust. I'm one of the pastors here as well. Get the pleasure of serving here. Um, and if you've been with us for a couple weeks or months um, and heard Pastor Chris speak or myself speak, you know that we both have young kids at home. Uh, I have one little one. His name is Liam. He's about 14 months old right now. Um, and one of the things that was surprising to me when you have kids, I, I think people tell you so many things about get ready because kids are going to like change your life in this way, blank. And they tell you these things, and you're like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then you have the kids, and you go, yeah, they, they, they were right. Um, but one of those things that I think I was a little bit more ready for um, was how much stuff you were going to have to get to get when you had a child, right? Um, you know, I just thought, you know, why don't we just give Liam my old twin mattress and, and just let him sleep on that? He'll figure it out. You know, it's pretty soft. Um, it's a little old, but... I guess that'll work, but thankfully my wife, much wiser than I, said no. Um, and so we got the proper necessary furniture and all that, and you know, she started putting these on the Amazon wish list and all that. Well, of course, one of those things that started coming out is us looking at IKEA furniture. Who here has put any piece of furniture from IKEA together? Proud, yeah, I've seen a few people, yeah. Well, thankfully, when she told me about all this stuff that I was putting together, I was thinking, let's go, because I love putting this stuff together. It, it's just something that has always brought me so much joy. Legos. I used to get Legos and put them together, and then I would be done with them. That, that was it. The whole joy of me playing with Legos was putting something together. I wouldn't play with it, whether it was a plane or a castle, whatever. I just wanted to build it. So finding out I was going to get to build all this furniture, it really got me excited. And I found out about something called the IKEA effect. Has anybody heard about the IKEA effect? So the IKEA effect is um, three students um, at Harvard, Yale, um, and Duke University, the greatest university in the world. Um, they came up with this idea that there's this, uh, there's this bias that we have towards this furniture that we put together because we have this ownership that we put into the furniture. So there's like kind of a little bit of skin in the game, if you will. You cherish it just that much more because you're like, I, I built that piece of furniture. What I did not find anything about is the dark side of this IKEA furniture, uh, which some people, maybe you, have experienced when trying to put IKEA furniture together. We have some photos here um, that kind of, uh, kind of demonstrate a little bit of what happens when you try to put IKEA furniture together. Sometimes, you know, you kind of put the legs on upside down makes sitting on said chair very, very difficult. And of course, you have the gentleman at the bottom questioning his whole existence um, as this. Uh, but what I have heard is Ikea has increased prayer life a lot. So, you know, people praying a lot more um, when they're putting this stuff together. But if you put this furniture together, you get these instructions. Maybe they're in English. 
Um, maybe they're like the original copy fresh off the printing machine. Sometimes I, I got some just the other day, and it feels like they said, let's take the original copy and copy it five times over, and then let's give them that and let them like figure it out. Um, so me and my relationship with instructions, despite putting things together, is a little bit complicated because instructions can be confusing, can't they? Yeah. Who here likes instructions? Who likes skipping the instructions and just figuring it out? Yeah, okay. Wives, I see the wives kind of keeping their, you know, nudging a little bit there. Yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes instructions can just be confusing. They kind of you kind of keep you a little bit in a box. They make it to where it's a little bit confusing. You know, is this extra part, was this supposed to go in the dresser or not? Um, or is this just extra in case something goes wrong? But I've heard a lot of the same things about Christianity, if I'm being honest. My life, I grew up in the church. And talking to people, I had some of the people say some of the same things. Like, this whole Christianity thing, it kind of, it's confusing. You know, Jesus wants me to do what with my eye? Um, you know, and there's other parts of it where it's just like, it's so rigid. It's a bunch of rules and regulations, and it's just do's and don'ts and all this. And, and they don't see the love that's involved with it. And I think sometimes they miss out on it. But that's why I love the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul can be very practical, can't he? Because he is writing instruction manuals in a way. He's writing instruction manuals to the church, to these churches um, in Ephesians and Ephesus. Um, he's writing to the Philippians, to the Colossians. He's writing instruction manuals. This is how you do church. This is how you live out your faith. When this situation comes out, this is how you deal with it. And he's responding to a lot of situations that those early Christians dealt with. And this is no different, as I mentioned, in the church of Ephesus in the book of Ephesians. He's writing to the church and he's giving them some practical advice, something tangible they can walk away with. But, like scripture and you know, mentioning Jesus when referencing the eye, it helps to know the context. What is the, what's going on here? What's the background? What's the history? And what is Paul addressing in these moments? And we're going to look a little bit in the book of Ephesians in chapter 5 to see what exactly he's talking about when he gives us these instructions. Chapter 15 starts out and it says this, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. As you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So knowing the history, knowing the background, knowing the context is helpful. And I think one of the words that is helpful for us to look into and dive into is this word time that Paul uses. He says it in verse 16, making the most of time. And there's two Greek words that can be used when talking about time. And the words are chronos and kairos. This first one is sequential time. We're talking 1 p.m., 2 p.m., 3 p.m., it's that continual movement of time. It goes in order, the months in the year, the seasons of the year. It goes in order, it does not stop. 
But there's another word, this kairos, which is the word that Paul does use in this. And this is a proper or opportune time for action, a moment to be seized, a chance to do something with, a moldable piece of clay that you can take and you can make your own. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He is saying, make the most of it. Seize the day. And one more word what I, which I thought was helpful to look into is this word of poneiros. I'm not a Greek scholar. Please do not quote this to your Greek friends. Um, but this is the word for evil that Paul uses when he says the days are evil. And the definition is full of labors, annoyances, and hardships. Pretty accurate back then, but I imagine it's still pretty accurate today, isn't it? The days are evil, full of hardships, annoyances, and labors. So taking those, putting them together, I think the whole overall message of this passage right here, that Paul is saying to the church back then and says to us today, the days are tough, they're full of hardships, so make the most of every opportunity. Or simply put, be intentional. Be intentional. Whatever moment comes your way, don't let it just pass by going, well, maybe it'll go well, maybe it won't. Sometimes I say that probably too many times. Ah, my wife, she'll ask me a question. What do you want to do about blank? And I go, ah, we'll figure it out. Ah, we'll figure it out. I know. Pray for my wife, y'all. But be intentional. Be focused. If the moment calls upon you where you can do something because the day is evil, where there's a hardship, capitalize on it. But I think for us, in order for us to be intentional, we have to know what we're being intentional about, right? We have to know the purpose behind it. We have to know the reasoning. And I think for us, that is knowing the will of God. And Paul says that in the verse as well. He says to not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And when I think about the will of the Lord, I often think about big things. I think that's our tendency. We think about what does God want for my life when I'm considering this job opportunity, this relationship, this big purchase, where we're going to move, what school am I going to go to? And we fail to recognize that God wants to be involved in the details of our lives. The little things. In Matthew 10:30, the scripture says this, and even the hairs of your head are all counted. If God knows the hairs on our head, don't you think he's interested in the details of our life? And also, can't we agree that God is a loving God? He does not give us a daily update on this. I know I'm thankful for that. God, you know, like a financial planner, we're going down, Will. We need to, we need to work on this hair thing. But with this, God wants to be interested in the details in your life. I remember when I would come home from school when I was younger, my parents would ask me questions, and they would get the same one-word answers over and over. How was your day? Good. What'd you learn? Stuff. What'd you eat for lunch? Food. How was it? Fine. Knowing Liam, when he will get up, he'll probably give me those same answers. But I'm going to be one. I'm, I'm going to want to know the details, the nitty-gritty. Let's go. Let's get into this stuff. Tell me about it. Elaborate. God's the same way. He wants to know those details. I think we fail to recognize that God wants to hear from that stuff in our prayer life. 
sharing the details, sharing the things that we think, ah, this is silly, God doesn't want to hear about this. God has no care about what I do here or there, the ins and the outs. It's the big stuff, that's the only stuff. But we need to be focused on what God wants for our lives in the little stuff as well. And just as Paul said, the best way for us to do that is to be in tune with the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit and singing these songs, these psalms of hymns and praise. And when we're out of tune with that, we won't recognize those things. A couple years ago, I was at an internship in a church in downtown Indianapolis, North United Methodist Church. Chris was there. Mike before me, he was there as well. But we got invited to a concert one night, um, and it was a classical pianist, and he was playing a concert backed by an orchestra. And I remember he got on stage, and he played. And he started playing, and from my view, I could see him playing, but there was one thing that was really confusing to me, and that he had no music at all. He played for an hour and a half, if not two hours, no music, all by memory, whole thing. And it was some serious stuff. Played all the way through it, and I was just amazed by this, blown away. How in the world did this gentleman play all this music by memory? I remember two days later at church, ran into the pianist at the church, and she said, oh, I heard you went to the concert on Friday night. And I said, yeah, I did. Can you believe he played for two hours without music? She said, oh, Will, if you only knew. That was the least impressive part about that whole night. The chords that he was playing, the structures, the progressions, that was what was impressive. Because she knew piano. She was in tune with what was going on. I just knew the general kind of zoomed out view of everything. But she knew the details, the intricacies. She was in tune with what was happening, and she appreciated that. And so for us to be intentional, I think this calling to be in tune with the Spirit will help us to be intentional. And so for these moments that we're supposed to live into, I think these are ministry opportunities. This is what Paul is talking about. Make the most of them, these ministry opportunities, these moments to relieve the suffering, to be the hands and feet of Christ, to show the love of Christ to these people. Don't diminish them. We have the big ones, these are great, but the small ones as well. Who here loves telemarketers? Yeah. We didn't get much response at the earlier service either. There's a gentleman, he was going on a book tour, a Christian writer, and he was talking about God's grace and extending God's grace to people in random opportunities, random moments. And so many people, different people shared their stories, but one lady raised her hand. She said, you know, I've really found a ministry in ministering to the telemarketers. When they call my house, I listen to what they have to say. You know, I don't buy what they're selling me, but I listen, I hear them out. And then when they're all said and done and I kind of make it clear, I say, hey, how are you? How's your life going? Is there anything I can pray for you for? And she says, the people open right up. She said this. She said, often they even ask me to pray with them over the phone. Sometimes they are in tears. They're people after all, probably underpaid, and they're surprised when someone treats them with common courtesy. This moment saw, this lady saw a moment for ministry. She saw an opportunity. She capitalized on it. And she took it. 
No ministry opportunity is too small. Capitalize on those moments. And often we look out, I think, when we are trying to do ministry instead of also trying to see what's inside as well. Where's the ministry opportunity for ourselves? I think sometimes those get passed over as well. We forget to spend time with God, time with our families, time doing things that fill us up, thinking that it's only other people that need ministering to. We need ministering to also. Luke 5.15 says this, but Jesus would withdraw to deserted places and pray. He would find these places where nobody else was, and you'd pray, recharge, get filled up so that he could minister to other people. One Christian author up in New York, he says this, he says, unless we are regularly withdrawing, we will regularly wither. Unless we are regularly withdrawing, we will regularly wither. We cannot pour out of an empty cup when we are looking to pour into other people. So I ask you this question. Where's your ministry opportunity that maybe you've overlooked? Whether it's a person, maybe it's a group of people, maybe it's a community, and maybe you think, but it'd only be so little. I can only do so little. So we'll flip it. When's the time someone has ministered to you, even though small, but made a massive difference? A prayer, a hug, really ask, tell me, let's get honest. What's really going on in your life? Made a whole difference in your life. How much did that affect you, change you? See the light of Christ in them that same thing can happen through you. The opportunity could affect someone in a really, really big way, and it could relieve their hardship, maybe just for a moment, but maybe just enough so that they could see the light of Christ for themselves through you. Because friends, the days are evil, but we've got a lot left to capitalize on. Let's make the most of those moments. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.